0: This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye
1: baseball! On
0: 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: Well, welcome inside the 710 ESPN Seattle studios. Time for a little Hot Stove Talk, Mariner's Hot Stove Show. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, and howdy. I am hoping, I am hoping that, um... We're not going to be so lonely with this for much longer. You're
2: the, talking about the baseball coming back?
1: I, You know, uh, it, there has been some movement. They are, they're in the same room. They are talking to each other. Uh, more people are involved. Talks definitely have heated up. This is a critical, critical week in the talks. We're not going to get into that. You can read about that elsewhere. We're going to bring you a lot of fun tonight. But let's just say we are crossing the fingers right now and uh, just hope those talks continue this week.
2: Yes, and there was a little bit of news to update that they did have to push back the start of spring training. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report. That's no longer happening on that time frame as well. So like you said, this week would be important to make sure that we could get enough spring training in and start the season on time. So I'm crossing my fingers with
1: you. So we are going to keep things on a positive note right now. And man, this show just is laid out for positivity. We have got a a couple of special guests today. Uh, We're going to hear from a young Mariner, Zach Deloach, second round pick in 2020 outfield Really quick path for him. Jordan Shusterman. If you don't know that name, it is one half of suspidus Family Barbecue. And if there are two guys uh, who appreciate baseball more than they do, I- I'm not sure who they are. He has got all baseball covered. And it just so happens that he is also a Mariners fan. So we're going to hot stove it with him. He's, he's going to He's going to have some suggestions.
2: And i got to, I got to put his feet to the fire a little bit because as we've had all these guests on, I, I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised that everybody has said that my key target, Chris <laughs> Bryant, has been at the top of their list, too. So I'm going to have to put his feet to the fire on that because I want to see if he's he's a part of the bandwagon.
1: Howdy, always looking for affirmation there. Now he's looking for it from the barbecue itself. All right. Also, Gary Hill is going to make us smarter because that's what Gary Hill does. Uh, interesting uh piece that he has put together. If you think that the pitching looked different last year, you are absolutely right. But Maybe not in the way you think it has. What that means going forward, we're going to hear from Gary Hill on pitch selection coming up in just a bit. But right now, let's welcome in Zach Deloach. And Zach, you have to paint the picture because I think we all want to be where you are at right now, and we're still having to wait a little bit. But uh, what's it like down in Arizona?
3: Well, um, you know, we we got things rolling about a week ago. Uh, we're you know we're all uh, collectively you know itching at the bit to get back out in the field and play some games. Obviously, with the uh, MLB uh, season, uh, not have, uh, started yet. It's, um, it's a little weird, uh, just, you know, not seeing all everyone here yet. Um, but overall the mini camp has been really, really productive. And I think, uh, you know, I think everyone would say the same. Uh, we, we've been really focused on, you know, what we need to get accomplished each and every day. And, uh, you know, we've been rolling, uh, rolling into this next week. So,
1: before we get into what you've been doing, I have to... I, I was just perusing the Instagram, and uh, you've had quite an off-season. First of all, congratulations. Looks like you got married recently.
3: <laughs> yes, that's correct.
1: A beautiful wedding video, and what I was most taken with... I think you know where I'm going to go here. A, a very uh, special part of, of uh, the groom's party. A four-legged part.
3: Yeah, no, the... Uh... <laughs> We we were a little hesitant to uh you know our dog's name is Moose and he's about he's about a year old we had actually kind of trained him uh, pretty well so we so we kind of we trusted our um our wedding coordinator to to let him down the aisle and I think it worked out great I think he was a big uh you know, big relief I think kind of letting some laughs out uh, during the ceremony so that was good.
1: That's a Bernie's Mountain dog.
3: Yes ma'am. He's Bernie's Mountain dog.
1: You're not messing around. You're going for dog when you pick up one of those.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's a big boy. We love him though. He's a basically acts like a human. So
2: <laughs> that's great. Did you did you grow up with pets? Is that Bernese like a part of your family from when you were little? I grew up with uh, Hungarian
3: Vizslas, which are kind of the uh, they're kind of similar to a Lime runner. Um, they're both uh, they're they're like a, they have a copper coat instead of kind of that gray coat, but um, very similar faces and uh, structure. But uh, the Bernese Mountain Dog actually was um, you know we're we're living in Waco, Texas, and um, my wife's, uh, or my mother-in-law, she saw um, two or three Bernese Mountain dogs walking down the street one day, and luckily enough, we actually found a breeder in Waco, Texas, that breeds Mount, uh, Bernese Mountain dogs. Which was kind of ironic because they're more of a, a northern, you know, cold climate dog, um, but they're they're beautiful. I mean, we've we've taken tons of pictures and videos of him growing up, and it's just really cool to. Watch him grow from a a puppy up into a a big dog like he is today. So it's, uh, they're, they're, they're beautiful dogs. I love their coloring. And, um, really, this is our first Bernese Mountain dog. And I think we're planning on getting another one here in about a, you know, a couple years or so.
1: I would imagine he can shred a baseball pretty good. Um, you know, he, he, he likes his toys. I mean, I, I, I've
3: i thrown the ball with him a little bit. He'll fetch it and bring it back, but he doesn't. No, nah, I don't think he chews him up very, very often. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've done very well with this dog. Hey, let's get back to the, mm-hmm. the actual baseball and what you're doing right now. And, you know, when I look at you and, and when you came into this game, it was such a tough time with, with the pandemic and, and the alternate site and, and whatnot. Then I look at what you did last year, and it really looked like you were able to make up a lot that you were able to make the most of your time, everything from making a jump from Everett to Arkansas to playing in the Arizona Fall League. Tell us a little bit about your baseball journey in 2021.
3: Yeah, so, you know, like you said, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, uncertainty um, in 2020 um, and, you know, getting kind of thrown into the fire a little bit with uh, the summer camp in Tacoma and. Um, you know, with some of the other uh, guys in my draft class. And, you know, that that was, I think kind of the turning point, you know, as far as like maturity, like having to, you know, see what the differences were, you know, college versus pro. Um, and, you know, just a professional from a professional standpoint, it's just a lot different. The the environment's different. And, um, you know, you're, you're having to, you know, it's a job at that point. And I think, taking that by heart going into spring training in 2021, you know, I think my focus was a lot different um, than whenever I got to summer camp in 2020. I think in 2020, I was kind of more of the experience. In 2021, you know, I had goals I had set for myself, and I wanted to go out and reach those goals and, and exceed the expectations of what I think I can do. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, I was definitely, I was definitely pleased, and um, you know, I felt like I, I accomplished a lot uh, last season. Um, you know, making that jump from Everett to Arkansas was definitely a huge, huge jump. That's probably the biggest jump that you can make in minor league baseball, um, just from a talent uh, perspective and an experience perspective. Um, they, you know, g- going from you know facing guys that can. You know, kind of throw, you know, fastballs, breaking balls, whatever, in the zone to guys that know how to hit their spots and, and know how to get you out. And so, the, that's where you know we really harp on, you know, pregame, you know, prepping for each and every pitcher that we face and and knowing the tendencies and you know, there, there's just a lot of more information that you know we have to see really closely and uh, pinpoint every detail that we can to have success off of uh, off of the pitchers that we're facing. And so. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, I was grateful that, you know, the coaching staff is awesome here. I mean, they are all – all the coaches here are amazing, and um, they all have – I would say majority of them have that big league experience, whether it's coaching or um, playing. And, uh, you know, I think the the managers all the way up to the owner, I mean, everyone understands our goal. Um, you know, we want to get better each and every day, and I think that you know that was our team philosophy and our organizational philosophy that helped us grow uh, individually as well as a result. So it, it was definitely a definitely a, a productive 2021 season, and uh, you know we're looking forward to twenty twenty two.
2: As you've been coming up through the Mariners system, has there been any moments that you can point to to say, "Wow, that was amazing," or just a major development moments, things that really stand out as? This is a turning point for me or some some moment that just really sticks out.
3: Yeah, I think um, there, there's probably a lot of different, you know, little details that I could pinpoint as far as, like, you know, from an outfield perspective, from a hitting perspective, running, everything. But I think learning to, you know, how to manage yourself when things aren't going good, I think that was pretty early on. That happened to me pretty early on. You know, I got kind of off to a slow start, and I think, you know, working with uh, Sean O'Malley and Jose Umbria and, you know, Lewis Boyd and all those guys, like they were able to kinda get me back to a base where, you know, that that's where I felt good. And I think as soon as I got that, that mental that confidence in myself, that's where I started to take off a little bit. And I think just continuing to build upon that and continue to build build upon that feeling that I had and, you know, having a little history with the guys that are in this organization, like that that definitely helps um, you know, this year feel, you know, feeling more and more confident in myself each and every day that I'm here. But yeah, th- those guys definitely uh, got me back on track even when things aren't going good. And we have a great mental skills program as well. I've been talking to Adam Bernaro um, a lot and he, he helped me kind of get back on track mentally. And, um, you know, I think as an organization, we take pride in all the little things that we do. And I think that that ultimately gave me more of a process mindset and, you know, let the results take care of themselves. And I think that's kind of, That's kind of where everything, you know, from a foundational perspective, you know, helped me out a lot.
1: What are some of the tools that they give all of you to do that? It's, you know, you can talk about swings and everything you do out on the field, all that you want. But when you get up to the big league level, it's being able to deal with exactly what you're talking about that sometimes can be the the biggest challenge. What tools do they kind of equip you with? What are some of the things that you do?
3: yeah so um I don't know about for the major league level, but for the minor league levels, we have uh, they, they give us a booklet each year and it's a uh, it's like a mental skills or kind of a foundational of what um, what the Mariners uh, believe. and um, we we actually uh, before um, each week, we would read some of those passages and um, it really kind of brought us back to what um, you know if we kind of felt like we were drifting away from uh, our process, we would read you know, some passages out of this book that the Mariners had made, and they give us one each year. Um, so I have a couple of them now. But anyway,s they, um, they, they just have, they have these beliefs that, you know, you know, as far as like everything being process-related and, you know, just kind of everything I've been saying. I mean, they, they do a good job of making sure that we're all uh, mentally, you know, there and locked into what we're doing each and every day and knowing our role um, as a player to help the team win. Um, And in turn, you know, that, that ends up helping yourself. So I think, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, the, the productiveness has come from, you know, getting help and, you know, and inspiring uh, myself and, you know, other guys coming in, Um, you know, I had Alvin Davis come in and he, he kind of opened my eyes. I started reading a book that he had mentioned to me and that, that helped me get me um, to a good mental state. that You know, I felt confident going into each game and, you know, I think at the be- at the beginning of the season, like I said, I think I was a little lost. Um, and so I think just having those little mental cues that, you know, we, we probably talk about them daily. Um, and still, even in spring training, like, we-, we practice like we play. And so I think being able to just carry that on the season is just going to make all of us uh, that much better.
2: What's next for you as you continue to develop your game? I mean, it's got to be cool to see so many different guys play with so many different players every year and, coaching staffs as you go through the ranks from everett now to arkansas what's next for your game in 2022
3: you know um I, it's hard to answer I, I would hope that uh you know just continuing to build off of a, of a good year um you know I, I set myself i have high expectations for myself um you know, i i i pride myself on you know making sure that you know i'm exceeding my goals not just meeting them I'm doing everything that I can to um, just prepare myself and to challenge myself. I think, I think challenging, um, you know, challenging yourself in the cage, you know, in, you know, footwork for the outfield or, you know, for the infield, if you're an infielder, you know, just being able to to really hone in on on your skills and being able to focus on that process. I think that's the key.
1: Zach, we appreciate you taking the time today. We look forward to seeing you in Peoria. I'm really hoping we're going to see the dog around the ballpark too.
3: Uh, Well, we'll see. If if there's a bark in the park or maybe I'll ask some of the coaches, they might let me uh, bring (laughs) Moose up there. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. Thanks. You take care. We'll see you soon.
3: All right. Thank you, guys.
1: We're hearing a lot about the mental side of baseball and, and just uh, the involvement. We know there's a lot that goes into it, but I think we're starting to hear more practical terms and how this is really helping these young players.
2: Yeah, it's really encouraging to me because we, you know, at 710 ESPN Seattle on air, we talk with a lot of the executives on the team, the Jerry DiPoto level people in management, and they spend a lot of time talking about developing mental skills and the approach to the game and Andy McKay's philosophy. It's cool to hear people in the organization, players who are asking to put this into play, talk about it themselves and actually talk about how they're using it instead of rolling their eyes about it. I think it's an encouraging thing for the Mariners franchise that people do seem to be taking to this and finding value in it too.
1: And it is an area that you can improve. That frontier is still wide open. Of course, the Mariners trying to run through that as they do with any advantage that they can find in what they do away from the X's and O's. And you heard a little bit of it there with Zach Deloach. The 2022 season is jam-packed with great times at T-Mobile Park. Don't miss out on matchups against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Braves, plus seven fireworks nights and Ichiro Hall of Fame weekend in August. Secure your seats now at mariners.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk some pitching with Gary Hill. You're listening to The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Sit in the bleachers on Friday, then snag tickets behind first base on Sunday. It's all possible with the Mariners Flex membership. The best part? Save ten percent or more on tickets and get priority access to the 2023 All-Star Week and the postseason. Start making those summer plans at Mariners.com slash Flex. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne with the Mariner's Hot Stove Show, and uh, we are getting smarter day by day thanks to what Gary Hill has been doing for us. And it's it's official now, Howdy. We have named the segment.
2: Getting Smarter with Gary Hill. No.
1: Gary Hill's going to make us smart.
2: I always mess it up. Every time. <laughs> by, the, by the end of these shows, I will figure it out. We're
1: going to have t-shirts made up, coffee mugs, everything <laughs> else because this is important stuff. Early on in, in, in the winter, he was giving us some stats. Now, I, I, I talked with him last week. and said, let's talk about some pitching. We've talked about how much the game has changed, and we have talked about the different outcomes and and what players are going for, and pitch selection has played a huge part of that, and it has been impacted greatly by what we have seen with the strikeouts. So, Gary Hill on Pitch Selection.
4: (laughs) today we are going to talk pitching in our past conversations regarding pitching we've talked a lot about the evolution of velocity and stuff what we haven't talked as much about has been the evolution of pitch selection now let's start with this in 2002 according to Fangraphs, 64 percent of all pitches were fastballs if you lump all fastballs into the same category 4-seamers, sinkers, cutters, 64% were fastballs. Now fast forward to last season in 2021, according to Fangraphs, 51% were fastballs. 64 to 51, that is a giant difference. In fact, we are inching close to the season where there will be more off-speed slash breaking pitches thrown in a season than fastballs in a season. Now it's even more interesting to peel back the layers and look at the pitches that have risen and fallen in popularity and the reasons why. We'll start with sinkers. Sinkers have taken the biggest hit of any pitches. According to StatCast, in 2010, the high watermark for sinkers in the StatCast era, which goes back to 2008 that we have data for, 25% of pitches thrown That season were sinkers. Compare that to this past season, and 15% of all pitches thrown were sinkers. So in just a handful of years, a full 10% were peeled off on sinkers thrown. In fact, if you look at the four lowest totals in the StatCast era, they go in order. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, as the percentage goes lower and lower and lower as time goes on. Now, think about what a sinker is. Sinker is a pitch that has downward movement, and the point is to induce ground balls. It's a contact pitch. That's what it is. And it's losing popularity in a big way. Now, what has gained the most popularity? Sliders. Sliders delivery to him is a
0: breaking ball steam right at the knees a nasty diabolical slider oh that stank
4: last year was the all time high in sliders thrown 19% of all pitches were sliders compare that to the low in the Statcast era in 2008 14% 5% difference between 2008 and 2021 and my guess is, and I think it's a reasonable guess, if we had data going back 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, that these differences would be even more extreme. Now, comparing sliders and sinkers league wide last year. Sinkers last year, opponents batting 281 against it, sliders 210. Opponents slugged 432 against sinkers, 364 against sliders. The average exit velo, 88.5 against sinkers, 86.5 against sliders. But most significantly, and the biggest reason why the change, as we mentioned, the sinker, a contact pitch known for inducing ground balls. The slider, that is a swing and a miss pitch. That's why it's gained popularity, because the goal of pitching now is to induce swings and misses. When you examine last year individual pitchers with individual pitches, you will find out of the top 50 with the highest swing and miss rate, 33 of those were sliders. If you listed out pitchers' individual pitches in order of strikeout rate, you would have to go down to 268 from last year to find the first sinker on the board. And while sliders have taken a dramatic increase, other breaking pitches, off-speed pitches are up as well, as you can imagine with such a big hit in sinker percentage. Cutters, the second most we've seen in the StatCast era, a low of 4.8% in 2008, 6.7% last year, which is the second highest in the StatCast era. Curveballs are up 2%. From 2008 till this year, over 10%. And we saw the second highest change-up rate as well, 11.5% compared to the low again in 2008 of 9.5%. So this could be the year that we see more breaking and off-speed pitches than we do fastballs. As the chase continues for a swing and a miss. Swing and
1: a miss! He's got it! So this is really interesting, James, because... Uh... I felt bad for some of the pitchers who didn't have the big stuff over the last few years. You know, if they they pitched, they could hit their spots. And everything was velocity, velocity, velocity. And baseball is what baseball is. And one of the constants of baseball is it's ever-evolving or revolving might be the better way to go. And I always kind of wondered, is it going to come back to the stuff, guys? And the numbers would start to indicate that, yeah, it's not just about overpowering hitters right now.
2: Yeah, and it is interesting to look at the the number of gas camps and the number of pitching clinics and different uh, instruction types for young arms that are pushing velocity to new heights that really haven't been experienced. And we're seeing guys in their early 20s or even in their mid-20s, adding miles per hour to their pitches. That, to me, is more of a new development. But at the same time, the use of uh, of following spin rates and getting more break on your pitches, I think, makes those pitches more effective, too. And so you've got this movement, this huge evolution in moving forward in all of pitching. It is interesting to see that Pitchers, when it comes down to actually getting guys out using more of the breaking stuff, I think you see it. I, I see it when I watch games. I don't know if you see it, but I, I, it's, it's to my eye. I see it.
1: And I think a lot of it in, in, in that evolution and, and revolution of baseball is that constant, uh, you know, kind of just tennis match, the volleying between the pitchers and the hitters. And I think a lot of this was probably, well, launch angle, you, you've got to combat that. And and now they've returned serve, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and launch angle is an important thing because if you if you've trained yourself to hit a fastball at a certain plane, to make sure that you when you hit make contact with that fastball, it's going to go in home run territory instead of line drive or pop fly territory. Now all of a sudden, the way to change the predictability of your launch angle is to come at the bat at a different angle, right? And that's what breaking pitches do: coming from the sides, coming from a greater drop down. That all messes with the timing of a hitter to be able to hit that launch angle correctly which makes it more likely they're going to swing and miss or make weak contact. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Part of me, Shannon, as a longtime baseball fan, hopes that the adjustment that needs to be made is more spray hitters. That if there's more breaking pitches coming out that you just can't time your launch angle correctly to be a home run guy... You'll eventually have to adjust your swing to be able to make harder contact that spreads to all fields, which will then shift pitching again. To me, that would be an exciting development in baseball, and I'm theorizing here. I don't know that's going to happen, but that would be a really positive development in baseball.
1: Doing something with that shift might help out there a little bit, too. You know, incentivize, And I'm not going to say it. Can't say it. <laughs>
2: Incentivizing. <laughs> Incentivizing. the ball into the field instead using of Using all the fence.
1: fields. I know Rick Riz would be very happy if you all of a sudden saw that. All right. We want to thank Gary Hill as just, uh, you know, I, we feel smarter every week. And I think that's important. Whether you're not you feel smarter about that, well, that's on you. But Howdy and I, we do appreciate the opportunity to learn a little something more about this game. And uh, just so appreciate these Gary Hill segments. Coming up next... We have got a special guest. We have got we are going to Hot Stove it with one of my favorite people, with somebody who probably has the best outlook in the game, the best job, the best self-created job in the game. We're going to speak with one half of the Sespitus family barbecue. That coming up next as the Hot Stove League show continues on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: The Hot Stove show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle.
1: Well, James, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, you know, troubled times call for, for the big call. We put the big call out when just not enough baseball right now. I see some heads hanging, walking around the studio. I am legitimately concerned about our, our late morning show, Jake and Stacy <laughs> and, and Curtis in particular. So, you know what? I thought, hey... There is a, a duo that they just have the best perspective on baseball. And uh, I wanted to bring in half of what is known as a Suspicious Family Barbecue into the show today. Jordan Schusterman is joining us. And Jordan, it's funny. I uh, you know, was excited to have you on the show. I was trying to think, well, how do I introduce you? You guys do so much, and your interest in baseball, uh, there is just no way to, to kind of pigeonhole it into anything. It's, it's everything. So I thought, I'm going to turn tables on you, and if you had to write your business card, your job description, give me your self-scout uh, on what you guys do.
0: Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Shannon. Obviously, as, as a Mariners fan, which we'll get into, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of, of everything you guys got going on there uh but uh yeah i mean you know the the, the real answer is that uh i am a, an only analyst for, for foxsports.com uh so we're doing that for the last year uh and me and jake vince who I, I do everything uh with the cesspit family barbecue twitter account with uh we also host a podcast at the ringer um called baseball barbecue so yeah you know baseball podcast hosts whatever we write about baseball okay that's pretty standard but uh, i think what you're kind of getting at is that we truly uh, love this sport more than about anyone else you could find and, and to the degree that which, while I understand and I, I don't blame the people that over the last, you know, two, three months have said, Oh my God, there's, there's a lockout. There's no OB baseball. I'm so bored. But we, that does not deter us because any level, there is no level of baseball that we are not interested in, whether it is college levels all the way from D one, which of course just got started all the way down to division three, junior college, international baseball. We had winter league on, you know, Washington Dominican winter league, all winter and to so the Caribbean series, like there is baseball if you search hard enough, all months of the year, and we take that to heart. That's always been true, and with the lockout, it's only pushed us uh, even more so to, to, to pursue all levels uh, of baseball and softball. Of course, got to shout out the Huskies, um, but yeah. So that's so that, that's that's the that's the general pitch. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter or any of our socials. I I hope that comes across because we just love the sport and we love talking about it.
1: What's been your most enjoyable discovery over the last three years?
0: Ooh, Over the last three years. That's a great question. I mean, you mentioned the the KBO is is a league that I got super into, of course, in 2020 before we had Major League Baseball back. So getting more into some of the the international leagues has been really exciting. And, and, And the Dominican Winter League, just like, Bringing that to, I know sometimes there can, obviously there's a language barrier and, and people can be maybe hesitant to dive in, but I think the beauty of, of the sport is, is there are so many different versions of it and the, and the little intricacies at each league, at each level, depending on who's playing and where the players are coming from and what the stakes are. That's what, that's what baseball is all about. And of course, the best baseball in the world is played at the major league level. But if you love the sport, like, you can find the stories and you can find you know just the little little you know side storylines at any level. And, and that's why I'm just constantly looking for more and, and, and learning more about all levels.
2: Jordan, how did you and Jake get started with Cespedes Family Barbecue? I mean, Mariners Twitter's familiar with you and getting more familiar as time goes on. But a lot of us out here uh, up in the Northwest that aren't engaged you know, they didn't see your your guys' rise to get to where you are. Where did this start, and how did Cespedes Family Barbecue come to be?
0: Sure, yeah, so basically Jake and I uh, grew up in the same area uh, right outside Washington, D.C., and um, we were in school together, and we were in high school. We were basically the only people who were these baseball freaks that, that we are now. Like, no one else wanted to talk about baseball to this degree, and so we were like, all right, well, let's just start a website, and we'll, we'll name it something that's funny, and we referred it to uh UNSS for this week. When he came over, he made a whole a whole video and sent it to a th- thirty minute long video, he sent it to all the major teams and at the end he's roasting a big pig on a spit and the A's were like, Hell yeah, let's do it. Let's give this guy thirty six million dollars. And then of course he had probably one of the more bizarre uh, careers <laughs> than you can possibly imagine. But again, when we named our website that at the time, back in two thousand twelve, we were like, ah, well, I wouldn't have to explain this to, you know, anyone on Seattle <laughs> radio in ten years. Uh, and so I, you know, we did that, and then we just kind of did some blogging, did some, some podcasting, some, you know, kind of grew on Twitter. We were doing road trips every summer where we were driving across the country and going to minor league games and college games, and and just kind of learning the baseball world. And and we just kind of never slowed down. And we were lucky enough to get hired by MLB when we graduated college in 2017, and uh, worked there in New York for a couple years. Then we left and have worked at a few places since. And we're just still lucky enough to be in the baseball world. And I should just clarify my Mariners fandom. Uh, stretches back kind of similarly far. I, as you heard, I'm not from Seattle at all. I've only been to T-Mobile Park once in my life um, back in 2015 during one of our trips. But I basically fell in love with the Mariners in high school uh, because I didn't really like any of the local teams. That's when the Nats were really, really, really bad. Um, and Felix Hernandez was my favorite. Uh, He's my favorite pitcher by far. And I just fell in love with watching him as bad as the team was at the time. I kind of just got hooked, and uh, and I would like staying up late and watching baseball on only TV, and they were the perfect perfect team to have on as an East Coast fan to so always have on late. And uh, here I am, still still cheering on this uh, this this fascinating franchise.
1: <laughs> Jordan, you fell in love with the Mariners at a relatively early age. You look at when baseball talks about that they are looking to get a younger audience in into the game. What do you look at as if you were you know, going to tell your, yourself today, your 18-year-old self today and your 18-year-old self friends and perhaps those friends who didn't play baseball, what would you tell them to look for? What's good in this game and what can they build off and to kind of to pull that in?
0: It, it really is about the players and you've always been so player-centric and I know so much of the discussion right now is in the players versus owners thing and we, we know that the, the players are what makes the sport special. Um, and the differences in the players and, and where they come from and why they are so good at what they do. Uh, and, and so we've always just tried to, to drive that home and, and get people to, to understand where these players come from, why they are in some cases, like this is a, a this is an example, of course, just look at the Mary's roster. like Taylor Trammell, as you, I've, I'm sure have come to know over the last couple of years is about as down to earth and nice and funny and hilarious and relatable as a guy as you can get. And, Turning these people into into people and just being like, oh yeah, they are just they happen to be really good at baseball, but like I can root for them so easily because I learned just this one little thing about them or I see this one little video of them, you know, telling a joke or playing a prank or doing this there, there. and and it's just bringing that and, and making it more accessible in that sense is something we always try to do and, and kind of meeting fans where they are because. There's always going to be different levels of baseball fans. They're the people who are, right, on roster resource every day, like me. That's with me, right? But not every fan. I know those fans that are only going to watch the Mariners, right? And so how can I get that fan to be even more interested in baseball as a whole or in, you know, a deeper level of, of the team? So that's kind of how I look at it. And when, when I talk to people, 18-year-olds now, or people in school now who come to us and say, like, how do I get more into this, et cetera, et cetera, those are kind of the, the, the main that
2: I, I like to stick to. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Mariners then because you're in an interesting position for our show here in that you are a Mariners fan, you grew up a Mariners fan, but you spent your time with teams across the league and players at all different levels of baseball. What is your perspective on where the Mariners are at right now in their franchise and their direction?
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting and, and I gotta say, you know, I, I, you know, Jake and I, we share the Seth's Up To Twitter account. I, I made my own Twitter account for the first time, you know, we've been on Twitter for 10 years, but I made my own Twitter account for the first time about a year ago to basically just be on Mariners Twitter and be more involved in the Mariners fan space. And it has been a very revealing experience because I have now a better sense for the, all the various levels of Mariners fandom in a way that is in some ways Uh, sometimes a little frustrating and scary. And in other ways, it's like, okay, like, this is cool. I'm getting a better sense for it that all that there are fans that just think, Oh, like it's go time. We're world series, you know, contenders already. And then there's the other side of the spectrum. that's like, we're, you know, light years away from competing with the Astros, et cetera, et cetera. And I like to think that I I find myself somewhere in the middle, because again, like you mentioned, I, I am following all the other teams so closely. So I feel like I have a pretty good sense of, of where the deficiencies are and where they should be excited, where, you know, as Mariners fans, we should be excited, but also where we need to remember that like, oh, like the Astros are still really really good and are, are way still ahead in a lot of other areas. And so, yeah, that kind of leads me to thinking that like a lot of fans, I think they still have some big moves that they need to make um, certainly on the offensive side, uh, whether that's one or two more hitters, I think that's going to be crucial but it's still going to take more than that. Like, this is, they're, 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 we're counting on a lot. It's so easy to see all the prospect names and just assume that Julio is going to immediately come up and be amazing. And I feel pretty confident that is going to be the case. But we just saw what happened with Kelmick. right? We just saw how slow these guys can start, no matter how talented they can be. So we just have to look at what can you count on for sure, right? We know Haniger is going to be great. That's okay, great. We know Ty France is, you know, getting to like, can be great. But after that, how many do we like know for sure are going to? to be very good major league players. It's still kind of a short list, right? Now we have Robbie Ray, you can add him to the rotation, but that's where you get into the, oh, maybe they're not quite all the way there yet, and that's why I think fans are clamoring for at least one or two more big moves.
1: Tomorrow, lockout ends. There's much rejoicing. You or Jerry Depoto. what's the first move you make?
0: Oh, man. So I've, I've gone back and forth with this, and I did, I, I man, I should pull up the results. I, I, I did a, a kind of an informal Twitter poll um, right before the lockout. Basically, like, you know, of all the marriage fans that, that follow me, like, okay, like rank all the hitters that, that, that you would want. Right. Uh, basically let, let me know what, what is the, who who are the ones that marriage fans want the most? And I was kind of surprised by the results of that because for me, I kind of got, I came into this and I was like, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant. And then suddenly it was Robbie Ray. Uh And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Um, but so, okay. So I ranked them and I ranked them. I, Chris Bryant was also the number one uh, result uh, there. Trevor, Trevor Story was second. I know Sayah Suzuki is a really exciting one, although he's kind of more of a mystery box compared to the known commodities like Brian story. For me, I think it is Bryant, and it also feels the most realistic. I've kind of come around on the idea of Michael Conforto, maybe in addition to an infielder like Bryant or Story, I know that one is maybe that was by far the least popular answer, but I feel like he's someone that I think would be really, really great value. Let alone you know his Pacific Northwest ties, I think they could be really fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm still pretty heavy on the on the Bryant bandwagon, uh, so I, I would still say that is number one.
2: Well, Jordan, I voted in that poll and I ranked those exactly as you just said, and so now I know for sure because I, I wondered from a distance, but now I know for sure. <laughs> that you and I can be friends and we we are friends even though we didn't know it um because I'm right there with you I've been you I've been go. banging the drum for Chris Bryan. as I've said a square peg to fit a square hole in the Mariners roster so yeah you're 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 hyping me up big time with that
0: Yeah but there are a lot of guys like that's the thing it's it, it's been it feels like Mariners has been so focused on I it feels like Brian story Brian story and then some people are just like all in on Suzuki and I and I totally get that um, but there's still some really good hitters out there. Like, I, I know Kyle Schwarber is not someone that has been mentioned, and I know that he's not exactly the best defender, but, like, if they sign Kyle Schwarber, that'd be really fun. Like, that'd be really cool. And and, I, and that's the kind of bat that would be really exciting about it. But that's the thing. I think we have to feel like they, they're going to do something, right? They have to do at least one more big thing. Uh And so that in and of itself is is exciting and, and obviously kind of nerve-wracking. but. Man, it's you know it, it is going to be a crazy time once this lockout ends. Let me tell you,
1: and that cannot be soon enough. We've got about one minute left yeah. with uh, Jordan Schusterman, and this is not fair. I'm going to tap into your expertise, your experience, your creativity. You got a dinner party; you've got five spots at the table, all baseball. Anyone is possible, and I'll pull up a booster chair, so I'm already there. You don't have to worry about me. <laughs>
0: I think you would probably make the invite, Shannon. I mean, I mean, between, <laughs> I would pick either you or of course, uh, my good friend Ryan Divish, uh, but you would probably be, uh, a much more pleasant experience for the entirety of the evening. So, uh, I would say, uh, baseball people that I would love to, to have a meal with. This would be a, a really interesting group. Um, but we'll go ahead and throw the extremely obvious Kangaroo junior in there. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put, uh, Bo Jackson. We're gonna go Bo Jackson. That's someone I would, I would love to, to talk to and <laughs> have a question about his, his baseball experience. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put Mike Trout. Now I know it's a weird, I know it's a weird one because people think Mike Trout is super boring. But I feel like if I, if I can get him, if I can get him alone, if I can get him maybe with, with Griffey and Bo Jackson, maybe we can, we can pull a little personality out of our good friend Mike Trout. You know, sitting, sitting with some of the greats. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put uh, Muninori Kawasaki. Oh, great
2: call,
4: <laughs>
0: as, awesome my, pull. as my wild card. <laughs> yes, as my as my wild card, just from a, strictly from, a, from an from entertainment standpoint. And then my last uh, my last guess. You don't care, Shannon. You're there. You're, you're not the fifth, right? So you're I'm you're okay. just automatically it's okay. yes. uh, already in attendance. Uh, then my last pick. Oh man. Oh boy, this is this is tough. You know what? It's gonna be Jerry DePoto. Because Jerry DePoto, if we learned anything, likes to talk, likes to tell stories, and I certainly have questions for Jerry, just as everyone else does. And so we'll we'll bring Jerry live. He would have a great time. I know he appreciates baseball history, so uh I think that would be a great pick.
1: He's a foodie, so you would definitely be kind of on the spot with the menu. You would have to be very, very careful with that. You could get big points with the menu. But, man, if this goes much longer, we'll see if we can just kind of arrange this. We'll send out the invites. (laughs)
0: Looking forward to it. Thank you both. This was very fun. Hopefully lockout's over soon. The Mariners sign all of these players at the same time.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Jordan.
0: My pleasure, guys.
1: Jordan Schusterman from Suspitus Family Barbecue. And James, I can't believe he's only been to T-Mobile Park once.
2: That just seems like a crime. I mean, we got to do something about that, right? I mean, Absolutely. He's getting more involved. He's got his own Twitter account, so we can just tweet about Mariners <laughs> now. He's going to be a part of the Mariners Twitter family moving forward. Yeah, we got to get him in
1: the ballpark. We've got to get him to the ballpark and you an invite to that dinner.
2: Yes. Oh, please. I'll serve the meal. How about that? I'll be the waiter, and I'll serve everyone their dishes. You
1: know, any any way to get in that room, and that would be an absolute blast. I'll tell you this much. I think Griffey would pick up the check.
2: Oh, good for him. <laughs> I think it's a good call, too. Good call.
1: Hey, make T-Mobile Park your office. The Mariners are currently hiring a variety of full-time and part-time roles. Join our team by checking out the full list of opportunities at mariners.com slash jobs.
0: The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Stay locked in on all things Mariners by following along on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and more. Mariners social media dishes out special offers and breaking news, plus some of the most creative content on the Internet. Join the conversation at mariners.com slash connect. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne with The Hot Stove Show and Man James I think we hit it right. You know, we we had a little bit of a boost at the beginning of the week, knowing the players and the owners were going to meet and have some actual conversations. Then a little bit of a breath of fresh air, getting to talk with one of the prospects in Zach Deloach, who uh, just seems to have learned so much in his first. He's only really had one year in the system, one typical year. Everything else was pandemic-shortened or alternate-camped. Last year was his first year. Jordan Schusterman, absolutely love him. And suspicious Family Barbecue, good to get his insights on a team that he loves. And, of course, Gary Hill, I'm smarter just for saying Gary Hill.
2: Making me smarter, always Gary Hill.
1: That's what he does. But, uh, you know, circling back to what we started this with is there is some movement right now. There was some news this week. Uh, You know, sadly, we have lost some spring training games, but hopefully things are moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that they had made a major announcement that spring training has been delayed Um, And this week is an important week. So up until this point, for those of you who haven't been following the MLB lockout very closely, the Players Association and the league have been exchanging proposals back and forth. And so there haven't been a lot of meetings where they've really fleshed out those proposals and then gone back and forth. There's been, been a lot of giving and receiving and then letting it be. Where we're at now this week is the league and the Players Association have agreed to meet every day and actually go through the proposals and have back and forth and have breaks where they review the conversations that they've had and get together with their groups and speak again. So we're at a different stage of working through figuring out when baseball can come back and it's a big week this week.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to get through. There's no question about it. But the most important thing is, is that they have both said that they are committed to these talks as long as the other side is committed to these talks. And nothing is going to get done until there is uh, discussion. And again, the thing that you pointed to that is uh, very different is in the past, they would take the proposals and have to take it back to their side. And now, that is something that they are taking the proposals, having the discussion, then adjourning to different parts of the building or the complex where they're at in Florida and actually discussing and coming back with counter-proposals and ideas right now. So uh, dialogue is huge. As I wouldn't be reading in too much into the, oh, this meeting was only 15 minutes a couple of weeks ago. Now's the time where you want them staying in the same place. But if you do all of a sudden hear, oh, my gosh, this meeting only did and they last a short time and they left the complex don't panic. I almost fully expect to see that at some point, but I think both sides realize where they are and what's on the line right now. We shall see what happens.
2: Yeah, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit on the podcast and on this show. I'm not all that concerned yet. There hasn't been anything really major during this whole lockout that has had me really concerned that baseball's going to get skipped or we're going to have a extended break where there's no games or a shortened season. I'm not there. I haven't been yet. But, uh, you know, this is an interesting week. It is the first time where we're at this phase of this, you know, collective bargaining agreement conversation. So I'm curious. I'm watching closely. But uh, there's nothing so far that said to me we're canceling games and this isn't going to work. And
1: there's plenty you can follow along, of course, on the social media platforms. There are reporters who are there and reporting what is happening, uh, various Pieces of information from both sides get out, and so you can follow that. We talk about it all day long on the radio on 710 ESPN Seattle. I've got a piece up on the significance of this week on 710sports.com. It's all out there. You can follow along there. What we do know is we will continue to do what we do here with the Hot Stove Show, talk about what can be done, when it is allowed to be done, hopefully learn a little bit more about some of the newer Mariners, and again, uh, we're all getting smarter because of Gary Hill, so win-win.
2: Hat tip to Gary Hill, and continue to listen because he's going to keep getting us smart. By the time we're finished we're be doing geniuses the, show, when the show, we starts. will be. They're going to have. We'll be teaching courses by the time we're done learning from Gary Hill. this offseason.
1: Awesome. absolutely. So it's hardly a lost off season or month. <laughs> we are getting a lot done here. As I said, we will do this again next week. Until then, take care.